Good evening, good evening, good evening. Well, the sun isn't shining, the birds aren't chirping, but you are breathing. And tonight is Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Tonight's word of the night, that still sounds strange to me, is wangle, which means to make or get by devious means. Wangle. Hope everyone enjoyed their Thursday. Uh, The end of the work week is here. It's upon us. One more day of the hustle and bustle of the work world. Good luck. Well, let's go get it. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down. Those will probably be the most infamous words of Joe Biden's administration or have been the most infamous words of Joe Biden's administration thus far. May it quite well be uh, one of his, his, his most famous quotes. Let's just say that. All of this is, is spurred as a result of uh, 13 U.S. service members and 60 Afghan civilians that were killed at the Kabul airport this today in Afghanistan. Wow. After all of this came about, after two suicide bombers detonated their devices, one outside of the gate to the Kabul airport and the other one at a hotel that was a short distance away. Now, what, what the U.S. service member service members were doing, what they were continuing continuing to do was uh, they were screening those Afghans fleeing and some American civilians also. They were fleeing Afghanistan. Now, that infamous statement or could be infamous statement, we will not forgive, we will not forget, we will hunt you down, is directed, of course, at ISIS-K. They sat out said, yeah, we did it braggadocious aren't they and I'll get to that too Biden asked his military officials to develop a plan to attack ISIS assets and higher ups looks like he's going to send more troops in just does maybe I mean it it has to happen now ISIS issued a statement saying ISIS K I should say uh, whatever the hell that means issued a statement saying their fighters or their fighters were a were able to overcome all the U.S. security fortifications to come no more than five meters, which is equivalent to just over five yards from American forces. And yeah, they were, like I said, 15 uh, uh, service members were killed, 60 Afghan civilians. President Biden says uh, he went to, he's, he's, he's been in talks with his top military uh, generals and, and, and what have you and, and to flat out told him whatever you need just let me know no questions asked no hesitation I'll give it to you yeah you do you need to ISIS is is, is back I mean they were in hiding this, this is just what they did they were in hiding or, or playing possum waiting for this day or waiting for this moment I should say and President Biden goes on to say, I believe he's still saying August 31st, he's pulling out. But if the U.S. military and, and those high-ranking officials need anything in between then or, or whatever, he, they can have it. He didn't give a date or time as to when he would attack ISIS, but 
it would be at a time of his choosing. I can I can rest assured when I say that. It's just amazing to think that even though he they, they've we the United States has evacuated a, a, a great number of uh, the U.S. civilians and Afghans civilians or allies that were working with the United States, they're saying they still have quite a bit more. Because what they're hearing is a lot of people can't get to that road to the airport because the Taliban has blocked it off. They blocked it off and, and, and they're screening who's coming in and out. They're not letting anybody out headed in that direction to that airport. They just aren't. So just wow. Wow, man. Uh, prayers for the U.S. service members' families and prayers for those Afghans also. You know, no one wants to, to, to really and truthfully think that this, this could happen now in 2021. But hey, that's just what the U.S. Is, well, this that's just what they've been up against for 20 years. 20 years. After they have trained, giving, given artillery and weaponry. After they have tried to put in a government, a democratic government. It's all gone to naught because it looks like, where does it look like? It looks, it, the Taliban it ain't going nowhere. They're there. And then they got ISIS backing them up. Like I said, it appears that ISIS and Taliban have been playing possum all these years. So it, it also looks like the same thing because they were going through this when they first got there, when the U.S. first got there 20 years ago. So the first, the thing they were, they were dealing with when they first got there 20 years ago, they're now dealing with when they're leaving 20 years later attacks and that what they're saying also is this is the worst attack on U.S. service members in 10 years 15 dead and and this is like I said the ISIS statement saying their fighter was able to overcome all security fortifications to come no more than 5 meters from the American forces How did how did that happen they were, like I said, laying in wait in disguise. How do you tell them apart? How do you tell them apart? Because once they detonated those bombs, they had, uh, I don't know what you would call them, but they were they were in the crowd and they just started shooting also. So that's another way they were able to kill some of those Afghan civilians and maybe some of the service members also. So they were standing in the crowd and once those bombs went off, they just started shooting. Now, if you're like me and you're thinking to yourself, wow, wow, how if you're saying how could that happen? Hey, that's like I said, that's what the US has been up against for 20 years. Not knowing where the, the not knowing who your enemy truly is. And another thing, for those Afghan soldiers that threw their weapons down and surrendered, were they really Afghan soldiers or were they Taliban and ISIS? not just sympathizers are they a part of that because I don't understand how after 20 years of being trained and paid because they were paid by the U.S. also let's not forget that you got to understand when, when when the U.S. came there there weren't any funds so the U.S. was paying them taxpayer dollars they were paid and they just threw their weapons down and surrendered or walked away 
Maybe they walk back into what they really were. Maybe, I mean, like I said in the previous podcast, when they threw those guns down, what did you, what do you think? They just, the, the, the Taliban was just going to leave them there to, to rust and dry rot? Nope, they picked those things up. Now they're using them. They just are. Like I say, that's the world we live in. That's Afghanistan. That's why I say that's all the more reason for the United States to pull out. President Biden also he he's, he's standing firm by that August thirty five uh, August thirty first withdrawal, and he's also well he's also said that he's uh, whatever the military needs to attack these ISIS's the ISIS strongholds and and assets and and them as a whole. Just let him know. But he's still saying August 31st, the U.S. is pulling out. And it's a hard task because what's happening is uh, they're getting reports that a lot of the the U.S. civilians that are still left there and a lot of the Afghan allies that was helping the U.S. can't get to that airport because the Taliban has blocked that road off. They're screening who comes in and who goes out. They may let you in, but they ain't letting you out that easy. So, wow. It's turned into a colossal mess, if I can say that. It just has. Now I know I'm pretty sure by the time this is uh, this podcast is over, or if it hasn't already started, a lot of people are going to be blaming Biden like they did when when all of this started. Uh, let me just say this: this this is just politics. Uh, how you could fathom the notion if you truly, truly, and 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 thoughtfully. How you could say, and I'm not a Biden fan, by the way. How you could say that he's responsible for this is absurd. This is what the Taliban, Taliban, and I uh, and ISIS does. This is just who they are. And like I said before, the United States was told before you went there, don't go, don't put troops on the ground. It's unwinnable. It is an unwinnable. This is the inevitability that we're facing now. This was inevitable. It was inevitable because obviously, I got to be honest with you, I just don't think those Afghan soldiers that were trained by the U.S. service members, I don't think they were ever had any attentions of making that government a democracy. Is the Taliban that bad? Is ISIS that bad, big, bad, and scary? Are they those bullies that you would just throw your weapons down and surrender that easily? Hell, the U.S. hadn't even pulled out all the troops yet and they started giving up. Maybe they are. Maybe they know something about ISIS and the Taliban that we don't. But I would think you had the military personnel you had the military arsenal because they just didn't give you guns. They left some tanks, some helos, those Black Hawks over there with those missiles. And you were trained in it. I would think you would know what to do with them. But then again, maybe not. Maybe they're just that bad. Now, uh, another thing that has came out, one of the top ranking generals for the United States military has said, uh, we can expect more of these attacks. Yeah, because that's what they did. Like I said, once they first got there. So maybe uh, uh, 
ISIS and they're they're being very braggadocious when you know, like I said, when they said the five meter things, a five yard thing, they were able to uh, penetrate every uh, U.S. security fortification. Maybe they are telling you, hey, you, you were here for twenty years, so what? Now they're kicking you in the ass on your way out. Wow, just wow. So let me pray, pray for those U.S. service members' families. Pray for those Afghan civilians' families also that were killed. Because at the end of the day, they were just trying to leave. I mean, hey, they didn't want any part of the Taliban or ISIS. They were just caught caught out there. Just a sad situation all the way across the board. And, And also, I mean, like I said, if everybody's thinking about blaming Biden, I don't think Trump, I don't think Obama, this was an inevitable. This was going to happen. It doesn't matter who was president. Because, like I said, they were told once once before, the very first start, at the start of this, don't put troops on that on the ground in Afghanistan. It's unwinnable. They're very res- resilient. And that they are. Because they pop right back up. Like a gopher <laughs> digging in a yard on the golf course. Just wow. Wow. Well, this uh, uh, now this next story. I don't know if this is an indication of 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 those we have in office here in North Carolina. By office, I mean the House of Representatives and, and, and the Senate. I don't know if this is an indication of of the people that we have here uh, of their forward thinking of or of their not thinking, or maybe it's an indication of us as a society and how far and how long we have allowed our children to run amok because House Bill 207 has passed. Now, if you're wondering, well, uh, excuse me, it's not House Bill. If you're wondering what's Senate Bill 207, Senate Bill 207 was approved Tuesday. Now that raises the age of North Carolina youngest defendants from six to eight years of age. Now, if you remember or you heard, I did a podcast also a few months ago, and many of you may have heard about the six-year-old that was hauled into court for picking tulips. North Carolina at that time was the uh, only state, or well, might, well, it was the only state that that had that that had the youngest age of six that you could haul someone into court or, or haul a child into court or a juvenile. So they raised it from six to eight. Now, many that were opposed to that six years were saying no raise it to 10 12 14 or whatever yes six was six is six years of age that's too young to have kids in the judicial system and i don't think eight years of age is any any better but apparently uh and the bill is headed to governor cooper's desk still haven't heard anything as to whether or not he's going to sign it or not but um what has came out of this is a a Republican lawmaker issued a statement saying that the the age that was raised from six to eight was due to the fact that they had received a lot of expressed concern from North Carolina district attorneys about young people committing serious crimes. Sweet Jesus, what in the world? What what can an eight-year-old do? Apparently, 
Lawmakers changed the language of this bill to say kids as young as eight could force accusations that are equivalent to felonies. Eight-year-old facing felony charges. While only the 10 years of age and up could be accused of the equivalent of misdemeanors and some low-level felonies or high-level felonies. Now, this, this Republican lawmaker goes on to say, I think anytime we move things into a better direction, even if we don't get it all the way there, where we want it, where we want to have it, I think we have done a lot of good. He goes on to say that now this all this information he's saying it, it, as it relates to these these this age he got this from uh, North Carolina's uh, there's a North Carolina District Attorneys Association if I can say it now what the information they get gathered the data they gathered said that the last just just in the last three years about thirty children ages eight to ten faced juvenile charges that would meet the definition of serious felony charges in the bill that is on its way to the governor's desk. So what they're saying and then also hold on and also what they're saying is while more than 1,000 would have been kept from the system under the the, the change of the bill also. So what they're saying based off of their their data the 10 year olds that you know, everyone was saying, "Wait, if you're going to raise it, raise it to 10 years old." Those those that oppose that six-year-old uh, age minimum age requirement for uh, uh, hauling a kid into court, they were saying, "Well, start at 10 or 12 or 14." What they're saying, based off of their data, these kids are starting out as young as eight years of age. And I said to myself, "Well, what the hell can an eight-year-old do?" According to their data and statistics of these district attorneys. The serious charges that these youngins face are assault or sex offense charges. Now, by the way, if you think it is, this, like I said, this guy was a Republican. If you think it was just Republicans that are that were in favor of this bill, think again, because some Democrats agreed also with the passage saying it's a great starting point and encouraging. So what they're saying is, yeah, it's a great starting point at eight years of age. Somehow or another, they got this little compromise going on, sounds like, when they reached across the aisle and said, no, nah, we can't give you 10, we'll give you eight. Okay, we'll take eight. It's a great encouragement to start somewhere. So when we come back however many years later, close to an election, we can argue for 10. Ooh. Thank you. How thoughtful. Now, like I said, if you're thinking that it was just Republicans, a lot of Democrats, like I said, agreed to, to it also. And and one even said, like I said, it's a great starting point and encouraging. Now, what also another Democratic lawmaker said is that she's encouraging uh, the lawyers representing these youth, youths to ask for capacity hearings to see if they the children know that what they're up against being in the judicial system this early. Uh, no, doesn't matter uh, your capacity hearing or whatever or what have you. Uh, there's no way in the world you could convince me that these kids know they're being quite possibly could be sitting in a juvenile facility uh, or one of those harsh juvenile facilities for the majority of their life. What it appears to be what they're trying to do. I'm sorry, it just sounds like that. I could be wrong. 
And I also could be wrong when I, you know, when I said earlier that maybe this is an indication of how we as society have allowed these kids to run amok, that they're actually going to prosecute eight-year-olds as felons. Maybe these kids, hey, these gangs, who knows what these kids are doing? A lot of kids, like I've always said, are born, literally born into gangs. So what these kids at eight years of age are doing? Well, they say they face a lot of them have been uh, assault and sexual offense charges. Wow. What have we allowed as a society, as a whole, that they actually would have a bill to jail your child at eight years of age? Let's get past all of the, 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 this, uh, the, the mantra or mindset of minorities and inequities and all of this, your eight-year-old child could, one, be arrested, could be placed in a facility that's equivalent to an adult jail. I don't care how, how fancy the wording is, juvenile facility or group home or whatever, could be placed into a jail and then bought before the judge and charged with a felony and quite easily spend the majority of their life locked up, if not all of their life locked up, because of what they've done. What what does that say about us as a society? It says a whole lot, if you ask me, that we've allowed these kids to run amok. Now that Republican lawmaker that got that data from those that district attorneys association, those DAs have been prosecuting or, or seeing these kids come in for a while. Now they were saying within the last three years, they were just throwing that out as, as a gimme. How long has this been going on? You know, also the uh, the newspaper that, that broke this story uh, uh, several months back said that a child nine years old had broken a window of some and the landlord wanted to prosecute him. <sighs> then he had the six-year-old that was picking tulips in the yard. <sighs> that's, that's, <sighs> wow. Eight years old and, and eight years of eight years of age. I was nowhere near this. This screams of a societal problem that we have allowed to fester for so long to the point now the courts are getting involved and there ain't they ain't I mean they ain't trying to 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 soothe your child at this point because it's just like this what I was told when I was coming up once you're in the system you're in the system so it would be to your best interest to stay out of the system at all costs you know like my mom used to tell you I ain't got no money to bail you out <laughs> she made that clear from day one and I ain't coming to visit you so it would be to your best interest not to even get involved in whatever the hell will get you locked up and in trouble because I just, hey, she flat out told me, I don't visit inmates. <laughs> uh, hey, I don't blame her. But I got to ask again, what is going on with, with this, this parents that the system, it has made it all the way into a, 
a Senate bill that is going to the governor's desk that they are really and truthfully going to send kids eight years of age to court and into the system and into the prison. Now, I hear people talking about that school to prison pipeline. There you go. School to prison pipeline. Just like I when I did the podcast several a month or so ago about the school to prison pipeline, I asked the question, well, what are the parents doing? I got to ask here also, what are you doing as a parent? That your eight-year-old could quite possibly be hauled into jail, hauled into court and in jail. This is a, a, a societal problem. This doesn't have anything to do with a system or, or a system of racism. This is about you as a parent. Yeah, racism's out there. I'm not going to deny that. But you as a parent, what are you doing that your eight-year-old could be placed in the system? School to prison pipeline. It's like we as a society are feeding it, feeding them in there. We don't have to rely on this systemic racism. We're feeding them in there. What is going on in your life as an adult that you, an adult and a parent, that you just stand by and and watch your eight-year-old or 10-year-old or 12-year-old or 14-year-old spiral out of control and you just stand there and... and, uh, Really? No way. No way. No way, no way, no way. I can't put this totally at the at the doorstep of of of, uh, of the lawmakers and, and and the police and the DAs. I just can't do that, and I'm not going to do that. This is a societal per- parental problem that is huge. How in the world is this happening? That they have to put a law on the books to say at eight years old we can snatch your child up and lock them up. Eight years old? Do you know if I had came to my mother's doorstep with a police officer or she had gotten a call at eight years of old, eight years of age, I'm sorry, that I had been arrested or detained, however you want to say it, do you know that woman probably would have came down there and snatched my whole soul out of my body. Why aren't parents doing this? Because you're relying on someone else to do it. Well, this is what happens when you sit around and you say, I can't do this, woes me. Yeah, I'm saying it, I'm saying it. This woes me, systemic racism, the society is against me because I'm black. This is what happened, because this is what this bill is geared towards. Let's just be honest with each other. Let's just be honest. The game problem, Kids are not going to school. You know, I, I, like I said, I work in retail. And man, I'm, I'm sitting in the, I'm, I'm not working in the store on several occasions. And I see these little kids. This was before COVID. I see these little kids that should be in school that are out just walking around. I'm thinking, where the hell is the parent? Living la vida loca. Living their best life. There's no way in the world you can convince me that this has this is all, you can't lay everything on the system. Time for you to take some personal accountability and responsibility. Yeah, there's a school to prison pipeline because we're feeding it as a society. We're feeding that school to prison pipeline. Let's just be honest. Nobody's running around, walking around, just snatching your kid up just because. Because you are not doing what you're supposed to do as a parent. 
eight years old, six years old, eight years old, 10, 12, 14, standing in front of a judge? Where are you as a parent? Like I said, I, I know full well if that had happened, if I had did, done something like that, I know full well chances are I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. <laughs> I just wouldn't. Like I said, she would have came down there and snatched my soul right out of my body in front of the, everybody. Wouldn't care about no police. Wouldn't care about no social workers. Wouldn't need them. Hell, she'd probably whoop their asses too. I don't need you. I don't need you buttoning in, in my business. I'll handle him. I'll handle him. And that she would. So I, I'm, I'm just saying, how much of this can we blame on society and these lawmakers? It, it, it's, it's quite disturbing that lawmakers would actually have to waste time and taxpayers' dollars to put this bill or try to put this bill into law. Still no word on if Governor Cooper's Governor Cooper is going to uh, sign it or not. Hate to say it, chances are he will. Like I said, a lot of Democrats said they don't see a problem with it either. It's a starting point. Sweet Jesus. Well, that's all for me tonight. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this evening. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice. So offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Verbal, WordPress, and Public Radio. And Radio Public. And as always... This is Stephen Carnegie for This is Just a Thought. Amen.